Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today our episode, as advertised, is Impact. So let's set the stage. Greg and I have been friends for a long time, and we just had kind of a quick pre-production meeting, and I really enjoyed last week's interview with Christy. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really great. She's so passionate about what she's doing. Her book is amazing, and it's just great to have a deeper dialogue around, around, especially with someone who's so passionate about what they're doing. And like, how many authors do you have at that place that you work, Lighthouse 9? Like, there's at least two that I know of. Yeah, one more coming. And uh, I think it just gets inspired, you know, uh, inspired by each other and encouraged by each other results in us actually delivering upon things that we never thought we'd deliver upon. So does that mean, Greg, there's potentially another interview about another new book? I think there could be. Yes. Gotcha. I think I know who we're talking about, too. That's right. So just to continue on, uh, Greg and I have both been managers for a long time. We've both benefited from other people coming alongside and assisting us in our management, developing, being mentors, and just showing good examples on how to do things. In every episode, we're going to discuss a situation where we and others have quite often missed the mark. We're going to start at the perspective of the employee and move on from there. And we're going to discuss how we have observed others deal with these situations, just some encouragement, good practices. And we're always going to have an underlying theme of a good discussion. And I think we're going to have a good discussion today. Yeah, we are. This is the bookend. This is the other bookend uh, on the first one we did was intention. And now we're now we're heading to impact. So looking forward to this one. And I think it's actually a trilogy because uh, accountability came out of those discussions as well. And you and I, I think I've already sent you a, a draft uh, outline for that discussion. So that might be next week. It's a, it's really good. Yes. IIA. So again, uh, today's topic, impact. Throughout this podcast, a series of keywords keep coming out. Sometimes we didn't plan for it, but it just happened. Words like listening, value, safe, brave, trust, openness, context, intention, and now the word impact. And of course, there's a bit of a story around this. Uh, throughout this podcast, we have talked about a lot of topics, ideas, and of course, words. Some of these ideas and words come up quite often. One word and idea that Greg contributes from time to time is the word impact. I don't know if this is Greg's favorite word, but he does use it occasionally. I don't think I've ever used it in a podcast, maybe once, but certainly not intentionally, just to throw a couple of words around. But I like some of the ideas around it, and I think we're going to have a really good discussion. So, in your interaction with your boss, either one-on-one or in a group, you experience some or all of the following. Your boss comes into a group meeting with all sorts of enthusiasm and energy, but in the end, there are no decisions or next steps everyone leaves confused, or there's no follow through. Everyone is questioning why you were there. The meeting doesn't require you there. By joining the meeting, everyone is quieter and not willing to swing for the fence in the discussions. Everyone thinks the boss is checking up on them or doesn't trust them. So Greg, how does this affect our relationships and the work environment? Well, this one definitely is like them all. It can impact trust. It can create confusion. It, it really lowers productivity. And this one really came up. I think I have a, a great example of a failure, early failure, and really someone who was very brave and brought up 
this failure and encouraged me to how to overcome this failure in the past. And so, you know, the story goes uh, that I, I'm a very high energy guy, as you know. I get passionate about stuff, seven on the Enneagram, quick start from Colby. I get passionate and I can articulate and create lots of great energy. But I always describe in many of my coaching sessions and in different speeches that I've done, this idea of the difference between intention and impact. And in one particular situation a number of years ago, I went out and I just knocked it out of the park in my mind with regards to uh, a particular session with my team. And I left that meeting and someone came up to me. Her name was Bijal. She was relatively new with the organization and in a entry level role. And she said, Greg, can I talk to you? I said, sure, I'm an open book. And she said, you know, I love your energy. I love where you're taking this, or the organization and our team. But I'm wondering if you recognize the fact that when you sometimes enter a meeting with the energy and the excitement that you lose half the room. Uh, so half the room is super excited. The other half is spinning out of control. So the impact of this is, is, is can be great, uh, but also can be spinning out of control. And it is to be aware of what's happening. And in that situation, we you know, built codes. Uh, she would touch the side of her nose when I was getting out of control till I would slow down my energy and make sure that the whole room, that I understood my impact, what was happening. My intentions were always good uh, to create energy and excitement around something, but I didn't realize that I was actually leaving many people spinning and uh, out of control and unclear. And um, it was a great early on um, gift that I was given as a leader uh, from uh, from this young, uh, young new talent. Yeah, I think you I don't know if you've told that story before on the podcast, but I've heard it in our discussions. And I've always thought that that was just such a great example. I think when I think of impact, I go back to my policing days. And one of the things that you learn very quickly as uh, a regular employee, and then you really began to appreciate when you moved up kind of into the rank structure is the impact on you just being there. And, uh, you know, some of the best people I've worked for only go to the meetings that they have to go to. If the team is working stuff out and the team has their own little hierarchy within the team, uh, not necessarily is the manager required there because quite often, especially in a paramilitary organization or hierarchical type of organization, when the boss comes in, it creates a different mood and the impact, even by just sitting there, it creates uh, a different dynamic and it could stifle people, could uh, people won't, won't feel that they can speak uh, more freely. And I learned that pretty quickly that uh, as, you know, even as a supervisor or manager in that environment, that uh, I just had to be aware that my just being in the room in an organization like that creates a huge amount of impact and can influence the dynamics of what's going on. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think it really comes down to, we'll talk about this, understanding the, the context, what's happening, who's in the room, what do they need in this moment? What's the culture of the organization? All those things swirl around uh, the importance and also influence uh, what happens when you show up. Uh, and, and when you participate in something. So all of them add the complexity around, as a manager, what is my impact? Exactly. I had one more thing to say, but I saw that we actually wrote it down as one of the points. So I'm going to save it because it's my favorite 
it's going to be one of my favorite parts of this conversation for sure. Can't wait. A little anticipation. Ah. So let's get down to some common sense. What are some things as a manager to help deal with this situation? And the first point, kind of along with the discussion that we've been having so far, why are you participating in the meeting or discussion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting as you as you said that because I think in all of our last six sessions, our podcast sessions, we talked about the importance of pausing up front and really reflecting on what's happening, what do you need to do, what's your role, like really thinking up front and, uh, um, and doing that planning. And one of those questions is, why am I here? What, what, what is this meeting? What's the outcome of this meeting? How can I best contribute? Who are the people there? How are they feeling? Like actually having that discussion up front and th- with yourself even to think about, do I need to be there? If so, what role do I need to best play uh, in it to be to be most effective as a leader in that discussion or that event? And the next question that you should be asking yourself flies right into that. I think you intimated it anyway. Do you have anything to contribute at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree hundred um, percent. And uh, and you just really need to understand your role. And, and, and again, it really, as we talked about, it depends upon the culture of the organization. You know, is it a highly collaborative culture where everybody has a voice? Um, you know, we uh, interviewed someone uh, on another podcast, the Safe Brave Stories podcast yesterday, and she was describing something that she does in her organization, which is she has every employee with two lists. And the one list is uh, what don't I understand? And the other list is what doesn't make sense. And so in that organization, everyone is expected to always have those two questions in mind. And if I if I don't really get it, I, I should have a solution or an idea to continue to improve it kind of thing. So in that, that then everyone has a chance to contribute. Uh, but but you know, it depends upon the situation. And usually as a leader, unless you're you're being clear on the direction, um, uh, it, it is often better to just be quiet and allow uh, others to participate. And maybe you don't even need to be there. And I like that. And I think, um, especially if we're excited about a, a topic or an issue, we really want to play a role in it. And yet, you know, we're the manager. We're not necessarily the people that have been detailed to work with this or deal with it. And we may have some things to contribute. It's just that I think we need to pause and decide when is the best time to do that? Is it to jump right in when the the team's trying to sort this out and then get everybody, you know, going all over the place, all confused and stuff. I I think it's about picking our our moments. And quite often when you're the manager, you have perhaps some subject matter expertise in what's going on. And your opinion is probably, you know, a good opinion, but it's just picking that moment and not taking the window of the sales of the team, uh, just as the team's maybe getting up on their feet and getting ready to move forward and, and deal with everything. To me, it's about picking your moment as a manager, because maybe you do have something to contribute, but it's not just about you. It's about the team and you want the team to flourish, to come up with ideas. You want those quiet people to step up to the board and all those things. And you can wipe that out by you know one enthusiastic visit to a team meeting where you derail everything and it's maybe doesn't even head off into a direction. Mm -hmm. 
And are you required for the decision? I don't know about you, Greg, but in every organization I've worked at, there's been a season where the organization has decided to push down some decision-making power to, to people below. And I, I like the idea. I think it's a great developmental tool. It's trust. It's, you know, you have a really good team. So why are you making all the decisions when there's a certain level of decision that the team is probably better suited to deal with? And I like that idea, but, you know, am I required for every decision as a manager? Like we hire good people for good things and shouldn't we give them an opportunity to make some of the decisions in this process? Yeah. And you know what, there's a bunch of things that are bubbling in my head. The first thing is, you know, this whole idea of meetings and declaring uh, what the purpose of the meeting is for. It's a great book by Priya Parker called The Art of Gathering. And she always starts with, why are we gathering? Um, and who needs to be here? Uh, those are two great questions up front. And, uh, you know, in my book, I actually talk about uh, the, you know, being intentional about dialogue, really saying, why are we gathering? So uh, I used a method when we were at Campbell's where we had discovery dialogues. And those were ones where people just brought an idea forward earlier on and got lots of input from people. Often the managers didn't even go to those ones because it was just a gathering of brilliant ideas. There were other ones that were decision dialogues where, where it was required in some cases for the manager to be there, but they had talked up front of who makes this decision, who needs to be there for it, and the things they need to be. So really that upfront planning is so powerful in both of those situations, but know what the purpose is. And then once you know the purpose, then ask who needs to be there, including yourself. And especially in organizations, to your point, that are pushing decision making down into the organization, um, uh, you know, Netflix is one of those. Uh, just read a book uh, on a recent book um, on on Netflix, and they talked about they're really pushing it down, and 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 therefore the the leaders don't even need to be there. They may be consulted at some point. Here's what we're thinking, but the ownership is with the people that are on. Uh, are reporting into you. So I, I think it is just being really clear upfront, knowing where you can best play a role and where possible, step back, uh, provide frameworks or, or kind of guidance if need be. But um, I, I like that idea of really asking yourself, am I really needed here? And how through my uh, not being here, might that actually enhance ownership um, and decision-making in the organization? And there's something that popped for me in, in just what you said there, Greg, and it was the idea about meetings and uh, I'm not anti-meeting. I certainly have spent way too much of my time in my professional career in meetings. And what I really like is you don't necessarily always need the formalized meeting. I'm a huge believer in elevator meetings, lobby meetings, coffee meetings, uh, you know, kind of drifting by somebody's desk and talking about things. We don't always have to formally come together and have a session to work things out. Often, you know, side bits, uh, maybe a small decision, maybe somebody just needs some input on something. Meetings take up so much time. And sometimes like just the two of us scheduling, you know, to record something when we're both busy is problematic sometimes. Mm. And, and you imagine, you know, you have 12 people working on something and trying to get, you know, everybody's schedules lined up so you can get like a clear hour or in your system, 50 minutes, which I really like. Um, 
do we actually need to have that formalized meeting or do you know just you and I need to have five minutes on the phone somewhere like you and I there's been situations where you and I are texting back and I just you know you either phone me and say let's just talk like it's quicker and and it's the same with a formal meeting do we actually need that 50 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half whatever it is or do I just need to walk over to your desk and say um not sure what this means oh that fits into okay that's good you know it's like seven minutes and it's just much more efficient so I like that little idea about I'm not anti-meeting please you know don't nobody write me letters about it but I'm also a realist that do we really need that or do we just need another quicker smaller conversation somehow yeah, I agree. I agree. And you and that doesn't take long. You can just have a little quick upfront dialogue uh, that can determine that. So um, although that might require a meeting, but, uh, you know, having a having an upfront uh, dialogue of aligning to what do we need is so good. So good. Save so much time. Yeah. You know, no, we don't want more meetings, Greg. We want less meetings. Yes. And if you as the manager are required to uh, for something, make sure you do it. If you can't, Make sure you let somebody know why. Uh, there's nothing worse than you know you coming in, kind of disrupting everything, and then you take it, have a takeaway, and then you don't do it. It just adds to what the what's going on there. I think we have at least a couple of podcasts that we talk about that. One that jumps to mind is radio silence. I think. Um, I think there's another one too that really talks about the how impactful a lack of response is, uh, especially to trust. And, it's, and you know sometimes things get in the way, but just let people know. Excellent. I think this is your favorite one coming up, is it? 100%. I don't know why it's in position number five. It should have been number one or the last one. I don't know, but I have nobody to blame for it for myself because after we talked, I created the outline. So number five, don't do a drive-by. And what I mean by that is this. In every organization I've worked, there's always that person that just comes by, turns the cart upside down and just walks away. Whether it's just one comment or they come in and the, the meeting's been hijacked, or there's a whole different agenda. Uh, they may be doing it for the best of reasons, but they just upset everything. It's sometimes people just insert themselves into something, or uh, maybe they've missed a meeting, whatever it is. Uh, we've always, in every organization I've worked, called it a drive-by. Whether it's a sergeant driving by a crime scene or whatever, somebody just comes by, just starts yapping about something and they walk away and the team's going, what just happened? Like we were doing okay. This is going to get worked out. And do we have things we're supposed to do now? I'm not sure. And I think every organization experiences this at times. And it may be us that's done it because we have something on our mind and we're busy or something's just bothering us about the situation. We come by and say something or do something and then we just walk away and just leave. Yeah, you know what? I agree 100%. And usually it's when you use your mouth that that's the drive-bys are the worst. You know, I got an idea. I got a suggestion. I, I bring those things forward. That's when it is, you know, and when you get the energy, this it's like that ooh-ooh energy. Um, that's when you need to take a deep breath because ooh-ooh uh, energy transformed into a drive-by in a meeting or I've got an idea, I've got an insight and that type of thing. Don't hold those ideas all back, save them, but find a better way to do it. And again, make sure you understand the context of what you're entering. The one thing I would say, though, is it is good to do support buys or service buys. And you know, sometimes we talk about impact. Sometimes the best impact, and I remember working at Campbell's Soup, would be when we were working through walking through the plant and you'd see something happening that you could actually step in following safety procedures and help up. Don't even talk. 
you just help move something. You you just help uh, if there's a backup, something you can just step in to support someone in it. Doing actions can leave a great impact. So sometimes, you know, uh, uh, an intention to help can be a, a great impact. But usually when you open your mouths, especially if you're fired up about something, yeah, yeah, yeah that's not good. I think the probably the most helpful exchanges I've had with bosses is where somebody will walk by and go, Hey, Alistair, how's it going? Good. I saw you guys did that thing yesterday. That, that seemed really good. It read really well. Uh, let me know if you need anything else. This, this, this thing that you're doing is moving along really nicely. And uh, thank you for the work that you've done or just come by and say, how are you doing today? Uh, I, you know, the subways are all messed up yesterday. Did it all work out? Okay, good. Just those things where you know the boss is coming by. They don't particularly want anything, but they just want to connect and make sure you're doing okay. And maybe they they recognize uh, a couple steps that you know, the team did or maybe you did. I always found those uh, really good because it showed they were interested, showed that they're keeping up to date with what's going on. Uh, because we all like accountability, just a little bit of foreshadowing for next week's show. We all need that, right? And I love that kind of, uh, you, you called it something earlier, a drop by or a fly by or, or something like that. But where you come by, you're not there to upset the apple cart. You're just there to show that you're connected and you appreciate what people are doing. You want to make sure people have everything that they need. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. And, you know, it's acknowledging, right? It's acknowledging somebody for doing something. And I love your points about being specific and, uh, and encouraging. Those are great things. They don't take much. That's when you do open your mouth. If it's to identify and to recognize something, that's a great thing to do. Cool. And I think uh, I've already touched on this, but certainly needs to be underlined. Remember, you are the boss. When you come into a situation, you change the dynamics, even if you're just sitting there saying nothing. Yeah, and again, uh, understand what your culture is because that can be accentuated and amplified if that is if it's a hierarchical culture, uh, for sure, even more so. It's, it's funny, I was in a volunteer situation years and years ago and a group of us were sitting there and there was somebody from uh, a fellow organization sitting there and they were introduced but we were never told why they're there. And uh, I don't think at the end they even said anything. And it really threw me off. I don't know if it threw off everybody in the group, but a couple of people in the group, you just tell by the body language, right? Because I like to watch people as you do. And it's like, in my head, I'm going, why is this person here? Like, they're not, you know, they're not part of what we're doing. They, uh, they're not pushing kind of the apple cart down the road. And it was it was really funny the dynamics in the room and later on it became apparent why they're there but it was just really really unnerving uh to me uh especially when you're in a volunteer situation and somewhat sensitive so it's kind of interesting that uh this is something uh as i get more experienced i realize is more and more important because you don't have to say anything right just being there creates a certain dynamic in the room well and when you don't know ask so if you're a manager and you think, hey, I'd love to go to that meeting or I, I'd love to go and be a part of something, find out who's leading that meeting and then go and chat with them and say, hey, Alistair, I was thinking of popping by this day, this this week's meeting. Here's what I was thinking that this might be able to help. Here's what my intention is behind doing it. What do you think? 
And if Alistair says, oh, you know what? I would love you to be a part of it. This one's probably not a good one because we're doing this. Why don't you come to the next one? Or allow Alistair then to set it up to say, you know what? We're excited that Greg's here today. He's just going to be a, a participant. He's not, you know, making any decisions. He wants to, to really understand what we've done and kind of give encouragement. Then you play a different role, but engage who owns that meeting, who owns that area, who owns that session, engage them first and ensure that they understand your intentions and that will help you be so much more impactful in the end if you've, uh, if you've got early on buy-in and you understand what's going on. What I like about that is I've seen that done so successfully, but I've also seen it. Uh, there's been a couple of occasions where the manager or the boss that's coming in and visiting and playing a, a, a different type of role doesn't stay in character and ends up taking over. Most mm -hmm. of the time I've seen this done, uh, the manager has stayed in character. Like I'm just coming in to talk for two minutes about something and to listen, I'm not running the meeting. I'm not, you know, doing a major you know, course correction or anything like that. And most of the time it does work, but I have seen a couple of times where the manager can't help themselves and they break, they break out of character and they, they go straight to, I'm in charge and this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've seen that too, and I've probably done that without even thinking. And again, it's not a bad thing, bad intentions, but you can slip and go. It can even be more powerful if you declare that, hey, you know, I got great energy and I get excited about these things. I am going to attempt to do this. However, if you see me, here's what to do. And, you know, you can make it fun too and create great connections and trust through that to, you know, uh, I think I've told you once that uh, um, at least one organization has yellow cards, red cards, you know, like, like in, in football slash soccer. I love that. You know, if it's, if it's a, if it's a known process on how do you slow down yellow card, Alistair, you're getting too, uh, too bossy. So uh, I, you know, that might be fun. And it does add trust if you can, if you can, uh, if you're confident and are able to establish those things. Well, that, that all is all predicated that you have a really good relationship with your team and you've worked hard at that and you've, you've done everything you can to make sure people feel comfortable that they will speak up. And I love it when that the situations like that and the few times that it hasn't been like that, man, I really, I really miss that. I agree. I agree. So as employees, there are a couple of things we can do to assist in this situation. And a lot of these are preventative, uh, which I kind of like, but uh, we have to remember uh, the person we're talking about, they are the boss and there's times when they will wait in. Maybe there's times that they feel that they need to weigh in. And there's times when they have a lot invested in what's going on. And sometimes there's really nothing you can do about it. It, it just might, that might be the cards that, that you've drawn. Yeah. And you know, bosses are human. So uh, the other thing I would add to this one, I'm not sure what's later on, is that if you do think your boss kind of overstepped and got in there and maybe said things, again, depends upon your relationship, but it behooves you to lead from where you are as well and say, hey, Alistair, can I talk to you? When you did this, this is what this is what it made me feel. And this is the impact that I think it had. I would much prefer it in the future if we did this. What do you think? Having that conversation is like scary, but you know, most people have good intentions again, and, he, and your boss is human and they can make mistakes and sometimes they need to take ownership for it. So they may say, listen, thanks Greg for your feedback. Here's why I did it. Here's the reason I will do it in the future. I think I will do, I, I will do that again. However, is there a way that when I need to make those decisions, it would be, uh, you know, what would you like to see? 
Uh, and, and again, it provides this great conversation, uh, which builds trust, which builds the energy and engagement that we've talked about throughout. So yeah, remember they're the boss. And if they do slip up, remember the human and have a conversation. I like that. And, and the next point I think really sets the stage for uh, a good conversation and uh, so that the boss themselves know what's, what's going to happen and how they can feed into it. And maybe they see the agenda ahead of time and they go, well, no, I've got, I've got a five minute piece I want to talk about as well. So if we could add it to the agenda and that's like, if it's going to be more, a more formal discussion or meeting, provide the agenda ahead of time with uh, a section mark, any new ideas or whatever. And if the boss has something to add, I, I like it when I get, uh, agenda is sent to me by email and somebody say, listen, if you need to add something, uh, let us know right now so that everybody can think about it. Everybody can figure out where their place is in this thing and we can have some order to what's going to happen. Yeah. And be proactive. So if you want the boss to play a specific role, say to them, Hey, this is what we're doing this. And I'd love you just to listen if you could on this one, or I'd love you to really dive in and give your opinion on this one. And so help your boss be an effective leader in that situation. Sometimes you don't know. And so, you know, sometimes I might really think, boy, Alistair, I want to really support Alistair. So I'm going to get right in there, roll up my sleeves and help up. And that might be the last thing Alistair wants. So uh, how do you help that is be proactive and say, this is, this is the agenda. And this is the role I'd love you to play in this part of it. Absolutely. And uh, if you are chairing the meeting, sometimes you have to call it to order. And, you know, if things get off the track really quickly, and maybe it was caused by your boss showing up and saying something at a certain point, if you're chairing the meeting, uh, then, you know, you have to lead from that situation. I think as you phrased it, Greg, and say, hey, listen, whoa, let's stop here. And, you know, kind of summarize and say, okay, where are we going to go from now? Obviously, there needs to be another discussion or whatever. And you work it out right there and you kind of bring some order to something. Because last thing I, I don't know about you, Greg, but I don't like leaving a meeting where everything is in disarray. Then to me, the whole thing is just not worked out properly. There needs to be some takeaways. Uh, if we don't make a decision because we need to do some more work, then that's what's stated. Sometimes you just have to, if you're the chair of the meeting, call it to order and uh, bring it back in. Yeah. If you're the chair of the meeting, you know, again, you, you have an opportunity to some, you decide what to do because sometimes you you need to say, hey, let's take a five minute break and then pull the leader aside and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think, blah, 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 you know, go forward. Um, sometimes you just need to call it and say, OK, uh, I think we need to parking lot this idea and then come back with a graduation. But if you're managing that, you know, how do you manage it and how do you make sure people are held accountable in it? That's that that is key. But you have to take leadership. If you're the owner of that meeting, you need to, whoever's there, even if it's the president of the world that's there, uh, uh, if that's actually a title, uh, you, you got to take ownership for it. Yeah, I really like that. And that that's a that's a tough situation to be in. I've been in it and I'm sure you've been in it, Greg, where you're not the most senior person in the world in the room, but you you are the chair of the meeting. This is your effort. And sometimes you you have to go, hang on, stand stand back for a second, everybody. Let's just slow down for a second. This is where we're at in this discussion. We have the agenda in front of us. This is where we need to go. What is the next step here? Like, are we going to continue this side conversation? Are we going to have another meeting? Or does there need to be an uh, uh, offline meeting about this to bring it back to the group later? You know, it's a tough position to be in. And uh, as you get more experience uh, and you care less about certain things, you're willing to do that. 
but it is a tough spot to be in. And I'm not going to say, oh, this is what you should do. It's going to be easy. It's not. Sometimes it is a very difficult seat to be sitting in, but it's better if you do something rather than just let things kind of slip away. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do a beachal moment and pull the person aside afterwards and say, hey, can I, can I grab you for a few minutes? I observed something there and this is what I'd like in the future. Sometimes you can't do it in the meeting, but, but that you have ownership as the chair or not even the chair. If you can, if you have a heart's um, desire to help others, even if it is your boss, you know, be bold, be brave, step into it in a, in a caring, respectful way. Yeah. I like that. And you've already, I think mentioned this, but, Sometimes you have to tell your boss you aren't ready for them that yet, or it isn't time for whatever they want to talk about. You know, have it already having that expectation that uh, you know you've already talked to us. Listen, Greg, like that's a great thing to talk about, but we're not there yet. So perhaps as we get closer to that point, we can start talking about you coming in and, and dealing with that issue. But we're not there yet. Yeah, and, you know, if you do take ownership for that and say, "Here's when, here's why," uh, uh, as your your boss is going to think. I know I would think, wow, Alistair's really thought about this and it does make sense. I might still want to do it, uh, but if I'm a good leader, I'll listen. And But it does tell me that you're being thoughtful, that you really understand the project you're leading and you are helping me be as uh, effective as I can be as a leader. That's cool. And the last one on this one is make sure you've been hitting your updates so the flow of information and questions is in a good groove. Quite often, uh, you know, unexpected, impactful behavior happens because the boss isn't in the loop. They're maybe they're hearing other things. They're not getting the, the proper information, and uh, you know, with all the best of intentions, they're stepping up and stepping in, thinking that that's what's required in this situation. So, you know, we've talked about you know upfront talking about reporting periods and and when they want to be brought in on stuff, and that is so important. And as employees, we need to execute that so that if the boss, you know, because if a boss feels that things are under control, that uh, there's deadlines that, you know, are in jeopardy and they don't know about everything. And maybe somebody from another department said, listen, what's going on with that project? Um, you know, they're going to do something and whatever they do is going to be very impactful, probably on the negative side. Maybe they do come in and save it. I don't know, but it's so important for us to meet, to give them the updates that they need to feel comfortable with the situation so that we don't create an environment where they have to come in and act in, in a very impactful way, which might not be necessary. Yeah, you know, those drive-bys that you talked earlier are often a reaction. Uh, and so the more information you can provide, the better. I also think that you've mentioned this a couple times in this podcast. It really, much of this is dependent upon the relationship that you have with your team. Uh, because if you have a high trust relationship with your team, then when you do hear something, you will automatically think that doesn't make sense because I know my people, but I will talk to them anyways, just to make sure. If you have a low trust, a low relationship, uh, then you may overreact. But in all situations, an employee, a team member can help by keeping your boss informed and a leader, frankly, can help by pausing and seeking to understand before jumping in and uh, resulting in a huge negative impact. That's cool. Um, wrap up, Greg. Well, I think that, uh, again, you know, uh, we started this by talking, this is the bookend. Um, 
impact, uh, intention and impact. And, you know, in most situations, in most of my personal experience, I never set out and I don't know anybody really, there might be a, a very small percentage that sets out to uh, make a bad impact because uh, everybody wants to be successful. Everyone wants to have meaning. Everyone wants to uh, create something better. There's very few people in the world that just plan. Um, I've got my fingers going like uh, um, uh, Austin Powers, you know, Dr. Evil. There's not many Dr. Evils around. There are some, but most aren't. And usually it's about bad timing. It's about responding to something too quickly. Uh, so really, if you want to have a greater impact as the leader, pause, inquire, ask questions, think about the context you're entering, uh, question your need to be involved. And if you're a team member, inform, engage early, uh, 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 equip your manager to be the best impact going forward or your peers makes a lot of sense, but it's about communication. It's about awareness. It's, it is it is about pausing to say what's needed in this moment and who's needed in this moment and how should we show up in this moment. If you think about those things, whether you're a team member or a manager, boy, you're going to have more consistent impact and more impactful impact. I really like that. I, I think that's like, like one of the best closings you've ever done. It is so, there's so many things in there. I think that pause really rings for me and we're always going to have an impact. It's just that we want to be a good impact on the situation. And if you've got a team that's humming along and doing what they need to do and you're hearing about everything and you're, you feel comfortable with it, be very thankful. And there's sometimes when you're going to have to be impactful in a negative sense, because things aren't going well. And hopefully you have a good enough relationship with people and they say, listen, this is not going well. And you come in and, and you do whatever is necessary, correction, new people, more people, whatever it is. But that pause and, you know, I am going to have an impact because I am the boss, no matter what I do. If I stay away and don't ask any questions, that's an impact as well. So just that pause to, you know, I want to be an in, a really good impact on this situation, whatever that is. And I really love the relationship piece because things go much smoother, even when things are going bad. If you have a good relationship with people, I remember a couple of people coming into my office years ago and go, we made a mistake. Okay. Um, what did we do? They told me. I went down the pipeline, grabbed whatever it was, came back. Okay. We need to fix this. Do we? Yes. Okay. Let's fix it. And then let's talk about what we need to do or not do. So we're not in this situation again. Oh, okay. Went off, got fixed came back, we had a quick discussion. Oh, okay. I get it. Fair enough. And it was done. And it was the reason that that worked out so well is because we had a really good relationship and they felt they could come in and say, listen, we made a mistake. It's like, okay, you know, took a breath. Okay. What have we done? How did we make a mistake? And I just think, you know, we are always going to be an impact, but that pause, the relationship, I would hate to be in a situation, Greg, where I didn't know the people I was working with me we were thrown together to do something and you know where do i push where do i back off you just don't know right it's just a very difficult situation and in policing i mean you were thrown in those situations all the time and you just did what you had to do with the situation but i love it when you do have a good relationship and you can deal with the good stuff the bad stuff you back off you step in 
you just know what to do. It's just much better. And it's that intention too. And if people see what your intention is and that you're trying and that you trust them and you want to have that good relationship, it's just so much easier to be a good impact on that situation. Yeah. And I was just thinking two other things that are the, in that pause. It's so critical to understand what is happening, who's here, what is happening, but equally important is to reflect inwards and say, what's happening with me? Because if I sense that I am super hyped about something good or bad, I'm going to show up with an accelerated amplified impact. Um, sometimes that's needed if it's like, who, okay, this, this is what's, what's needed, who's here, what's needed, what's happening inside me. And then how do we combine those two together? That then can help you more effectively have more positive impact. Uh, but you got to look both ways. You got to look what's happening and what's needed and what's also happening inside. Uh, and how I need to respond. So those are really important things as uh, both a leader or a team member responding back in a situation. Well, I mean, that's a whole other discussion, right? Uh, how we as team members have an impact on the team as well. And maybe at some point we try to work that into a discussion, but mm -hmm. I, I love all that. That's probably one of the best closings you've done, Greg. That's really good. Oh, it was, yeah. there was so much there. Wow. Ah. So, um, we hope uh, some of what we've spoken about you find helpful. We hope we didn't offend or make anybody really angry. But Greg, uh, your philosophy, again, I think lands quite rightly on this episode. Yeah, we always end with uh, some great wisdom that I received and experienced with my first coach. And I try to do in my coaching practice is that in every time we connect to that, there will be a little bit of joy, a little bit of churn. Uh, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of peeveness. And uh, basically joy and happiness happen when you know you listen and you hear and you think, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm making progress. Boy, I feel good about that. And churn and peeved is when something might sting a bit because you recognize a misstep. You recognize somewhere where you're not there yet. But both are great platforms for learning. And you can choose what to do with either of those. And our hope is that uh, you may have felt a little joy, a little churn, and you will choose to take it forward and help build a great workplace. I think that's so uh, suited to today's uh, uh, talk uh, because I, I could I could see some people going, yeah, but, and this is exactly that type of episode, right? Where that you know you're really talking about the way that people portray themselves, the way that they interact with people, this, this impact. Uh, I think that's really, really good advice for uh, this episode in particular. I agree. So um, we're going to do a couple call outs today. We're going to do a double call out, Greg. One to Sydney, Australia. Uh, we weren't getting hardly any pickup at all from Australia from the podcast and we've had a bit of a jump. So Sydney, Australia, welcome aboard. Nice. And uh, we're going to go to the left coast of Canada, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. We've seen a nice jump in numbers of listeners from there as well. So Vancouver, welcome aboard as well. That is awesome. Two great spots. A couple of my favorite spots, actually. So that's kind of neat. Deep Cove, man. I love it. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Do you have anything else, Greg? Nothing else today. Okay, and just remember, uh, people, um, people do matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They're an important part of your job, your success, or your failure.
talk to you next time. Take care.